Hello, and welcome once again to another episode of Scry. I am the Seer, your host into this journey through the Obsidian Mirror and conjurer of true tales of terror. I hope that you all enjoyed your holiday season, and let's hope that 2021 isn't going to be the clusterfuck that it's shaping up to be and isn't telling 2020 to hold my beer and put that shit show to rest. How about we dive right into the stories that you all have missed while I've been on hiatus for the holidays. Our first story comes from none other than a regular contributor, Reverend Wheelis, in which he describes a house that he rented with his brother. Let's listen in. My brother and I were renting a house. It was a small, rundown house, and if anything needed to be fixed, we had to replace it or fix the problem. So we had moved in and nothing out of the ordinary until one day we were going to paint the living room. We moved the furniture to the middle of the room and covered it except the stereo and TV. We were watching satellite and the channel started to change. I called out to my brother and said, Hey, I was listening to that. My brother says, I'm not in the room. So I look to see if something is on the remote, but it was on top of the TV. I changed the channel back to the show I was listening to, turned my back, and the TV changes back to the other show it stopped on earlier. So I take the batteries out and use the satellite unit to change the channel. Still, it goes right back to the other channel. Now I'm furious and I look around and say out loud to stop playing. So at that time, the channel starts randomly changing and changing. I unplug the satellite from the wall and the PlayStation 2 turns on and starts to play the game that was in the system. And then it would turn off and turn back on. Then the stereo turned on and the dial, yes, the dial, just started to turn and go through the channel, volume going up and down. My brother and I were stunned by the fact that this was just like a kid playing. My brother yelled and said, Enough! Just like that, everything turns off. Even the electricity shut off. We had to go and flip the main breaker outside the house. It had flipped the breaker off outside. So, everything settled down until the next morning. When I woke up that next morning, everything in the house that had a door 
was open. Also, the windows were open. I asked my brother what you were trying to do. He asked, what was I talking about? He was trying to sleep. I said, everything is open. Front and back door, cabinets, bathroom, refrigerator, freezer, oven, closet, locked boxes, gun cabinets, windows. They're all open. I said that the air conditioner works, so stop opening everything up. He thought I was joking until he got up to see for himself. Confused, he says, I didn't do this. I said, well, I surely didn't do it. I can't stand to have an open door. Well, we go on about our day. I worked evening shift at a jail. I typically got home around midnight. I showered and sat down to relax and play PlayStation 2, and the house phone rings. I answered it. No one's there. I started playing the game again, and the phone rings again. So I answered it, and I hear a hissing growl, with a high-pitched scream so loud I had to pull the phone away from my ear. I hang up the phone, not giving it a second thought. I continue to play the game. My recliner was in front of the living room closet, and it opened slowly. And this closet had a sliding latch on it, so there's no way for it to just open up. A little uneasy, I reclined my chair to close the door. Nothing's there. The door was closed. This door squeaked when opened. That's why I knew it had opened. But it was closed when I looked. So I keep playing the game and still in the reclined position. The door opened up and started hitting my chair. I jumped up to see if one of my cousins was playing a practical joke, so I pulled the door open to find clothes and boxes. Nothing else to do but try to sleep. So I laid down, and I hear my brother come home, and I tell him what happened, and he said, Well, it must be after you. We go to bed and about three to four in the morning, I feel my bed bouncing like someone jumping on it and my light comes on. I'm looking around in my room and my brother gets up and says, hey, go to bed and leave me alone. I said, hey, someone just jumped on my bed and woke me up and turned my light on. As I was looking under my bed, I look up to see my dresser drawer and closet doors open. I say, hey, stop playing and let me sleep. A few weeks go by and everything is peaceful. Till one night 
I decided to take a bath and soak my sore muscles. I never take a bath. Always showers. But this night, I want to just soak. So I do. I'm relaxing and the light goes out. You've got to be kidding me. Well, I just stay in the water and the same scream, hissing growl that I heard on the phone, I'm hearing in the bathroom with the lights out. I get up, kind of freaked out, but the light comes on and there are marks on the mirror, like when you write in the steam. These were just markings and three lines go through the middle of the mirror. I never saw anything because there was just enough light from the security light outside to see around the bathroom. Well, not a lot more happened at this house because the landlord wouldn't fix the roof. He told us to get umbrellas for inside the house. So we moved. Anyway, thanks for reading. Hope it makes it to the show. Subscribe. Reverend Wheelis, thank you for sharing that tale. I certainly enjoy hearing them and sharing them with the audience. Your contributions have been greatly appreciated. Next up, we have a tale submitted by Katie O, in which she experiences something unique while holding a session with a Ouija board. Here's her tale. I am a practicing witch and have utilized the spirit board for many, many years, mostly without sinister effects. Recently, before COVID, myself, my partner, and three friends were doing a spirit board session. My partner doesn't particularly believe in it, but went along with it out of curiosity not thinking anything would happen or come through. I cast a circle of protection on us all and opened the session. Say your prayers. We encountered three spirits that night. The first lived locally and died from smog. We live in a city heavily associated with the British Industrial Revolution. Our house was built by a prominent mill owner in Leeds. The second was a female who told one of my friends that we'll call R that she was going to have a downfall and she needed to be careful. The third is where things got weird.
my partner had come away from the board and was sat down on the couch. The board kept spelling his name. I asked if there was a message for him, as it seemed to want to speak to him. My partner spaced out and went really vacant for a few seconds. Then he spoke a single word. Advarcel. Norwegian for warning. Nobody present spoke Norwegian at all. He came back to himself and had no idea why we were staring at him. After a while, whenever I asked the board anything, it would just spell out witch, evil, hell. So my friend R started to ask the questions. My partner kept uttering words which we Google translated, which spelled out pieces, bodies, heart, door, all in Norwegian. A while after he said door, three out of five of us all swore we saw someone standing in the doorway. The thing is, there is no way for anyone to be standing at the doorway as there is a locked six-foot metal gate to get into the garden. We checked the garden. The board kept calling me a witch and saying I was evil and should be good. At this point, my partner spaced out again, stared right in my face, uttered something we couldn't hear properly, and carried out staring at me. His face didn't look like his usual face. There was something more menacing. The board kept spelling R-U-N over and over again. I said I wouldn't run. At this point, my partner stood up and lunged at me as if he was going to attack me, but stopped at the three white candles on the table laughed a low, menacing laugh, and died them out one by one with his hand. My friend R tried to get out of his way, and he grabbed her hand and called her by her middle name. The only person who knew that was her boyfriend N, who had sat watching the session, not participating at all. At this stage, the energy felt different and a lot more threatening. I forcefully closed the session, cleansed the area, board, and house. Get out of my house. We decided to record the audio for this session shortly after my partner started speaking in another language. Listening back to the audio is chilling. If there wasn't so many of us with the exact same recollection of events, audio recordings, and someone observing the session, even I would call bullshit. That night, when we went to bed, 
I had the overwhelming feeling that if I rolled over, I would see someone standing over me. And there was a strange noise at the side of the bed, but I could not bring myself to look up. The next morning, my partner had zero recollection that we had even done a spirit board session. No memory at all. When I showed him the audio, he got a severe headache and had to sit back down. I did a ritual cleanse on him again, and nothing else seemed to happen. I've since done another session, and nothing like that happened again. I connected with my great-grandmother who died before I was born, am named after, and was born on her birthday. Katie, thank you so much for that story. And if you get the chance, please send the audio recordings. I would love to play them on the show. We're going to skip to a story that I wasn't sure about sharing and I've been sitting on for a couple of years. But first, this quick break. Do you like creepy stories? True crime? Cults? Dogs? Wait, that has nothing to do with it. Well, then you should listen to Undercover Coven. I'm Paula. I'm Ali. And Undercover Coven is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Come Come join join us. us. Bye. Hi, I'm Lainey, host of the True Crime Fan Club podcast. And I'm excited to tell you about my brand new podcast called It's Haunted, What Now? It's a podcast that brings you true stories about haunted objects and the owners who unknowingly welcome them into their lives. Join me as I share these creepy, spooky, and downright terrifying stories. You can find It's Haunted, What Now? on your favorite podcatcher or at hauntedpod.com. Welcome back to Scry. We're going to dive into a story that I've been sitting on for a couple of years. It's not a story I would typically share, as it deals with a cryptid that, well, just doesn't really hold much interest to me. But this is a story that's too good to not share. And as we've all seen certain memes pop up over the past few weeks, Well, I think this story becomes fitting, and you'll know what memes I'm talking about. But, well, let's get to this story that was shared by Rig416. Enjoy.
One of my clients and pretty good friends has a customer whose father-in-law is alleged to have been reduced to a neurotic child by a terrifying Sasquatch encounter. I've spoken to the son-in-law once, but Pop is extremely resistant to talk to anyone outside his family. I know who Pop is because he's very accomplished in a mechanical field that I'm very interested in, but I've never dealt with him. His overall reputation as a person is stellar on a bad day. Pop loved to hunt. To avoid divorce, when he neared early retirement, he and his wife got some land in Smith County, Texas, so he could hunt often without all the disruption of taking expeditions all over the place. That satisfied his wife, and he hoped to retire in peace. Last November, he was in his very nice, north-facing, custom deer stand on his land, about 1,500 feet from the house, when he heard steps coming from the south. Once the steps got about 50 feet away, he barked out a trespassing warning to leave and never come back. Go away. He could not see behind him because the stand is mounted on a very large tree. The steps stopped. Then, in four quick strides, the creature appeared just to the side of the tree, slightly forward of it, and spun around and looked right at him. Pop started screaming, and this upset the creature, which screamed too, and approached the stand, and jumped up, trying to reach him, or grab the bottom of the stand, which is 15 feet up to the bottom, to pull the whole thing down. Once he got his wits a little assembled, he went on the defensive and leaned up to donate a 270 round to the animal. But he was so scared that he dropped his gun over the rail, which threw him into a panic. Oh, fuck. The Sasquatch had already touched the bottom of the stand with two jumps, and he felt his life was in extreme danger. Survival mode kicked in hard and he went for the only weapon he could think of. Cans of iced tea. Right as he leaned down to open the cooler and snatch a can of tea, the Sasquatch backed up a few steps. And Pop believed the Sasquatch was about to get a running start so it could jump higher and get him out of that tree. I think it's possible that it wanted to keep Pop in sight. The front of the stand was solid and covered with brush for camo. He bent down to open the cooler, and the Sasquatch backed up to keep him in view. Just a theory. Pop sprang up and wailed a can of tea as hard as he could at the Sasquatch and nailed it square in the upper face, which made it double over and groan loudly, hands over face. It seemed dizzy and surprised. 
Then, Pop poured the ice and water from the cooler on it, and that wigged it out in grand fashion. Just as he followed by throwing the cooler at it, missing too, it tore off to a nearby tree line by the creek and watched him through a crook in a tree, rocking side to side. Right then, Pop was just about bowled over by the realization that he had his Colt 1911 with him in his backpack. He dug the gun out of the bottom of the bag, aimed it at the creature's head, and fired. Nothing happened. He didn't have one up the snout. So he then racked the slide, and right then, the thing took off into the brush to the north and crossed the creek shortly after being out of sight. He got off one shot, and is certainly missed by a wide margin. Pop waited a short while and dismounted the stand to return home. He was white as a sheet and crying when he got there, and it was the first time in 32 years his wife had seen him cry, or even noticeably scared. Since then, he will not hunt, will not penetrate the tree line around the house, and will not even leave the patio after sunset. Here's the kicker. A couple of weeks ago, Pop's truck broke down on the thickly wooded private dirt road, leading from the farm to market road to the house. He was stranded in the middle of a sunny afternoon, about 700 feet from the house. Instead of walking home, he shut himself in the truck and kept calling people on his cell phone until he found someone to come and get him for the 22nd car ride to the house. His son-in-law received a hysterical voicemail message of Pop, sobbing, begging for him to come help. So the guy had to drive all the way from Nagadoches to give a hardened combat veteran and lifelong adventurous outdoorsman a very short ride from the front yard to the front door. And Pop had a 44 Magnum Colt Python on him, which he now always has with him. There were also some missing items from the site, but I've not gotten enough of a detailed account of that yet. It's my understanding that the rifle and can of tea are unaccounted for, but I'll clear that up on the follow-up contact that is to occur on Monday, at least I hope. There have been some other curious incidents, but nothing like terror in the tree stand. Hopefully I can gain access to the land. The family is urging him to at least talk to someone who knows about these animals. If I can gain an inroad, I'll be headed out there soon, since it's very close to home. Rig 416. That, that is certainly a tale. Oh man, this, 
I can't even imagine hitting Bigfoot in the head with a can of iced tea. I mean, just a thunk. That's just a great tale, and one that certainly deserves to be shared. Let me know what you all think about this story, and any of the others that have been shared on our show. And if you have a story to tell, you can submit it at scrypodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 573-203-8668, and help share the scare. And with that, it is time to once again close the gate and end this seance of sound. All stories on Scry are purported to be true. The music that appears in this episode's stories are shared by Mew and Shadow Vibe. Check out the show notes for more on these great artists whose music appears courtesy of a Creative Commons license. But for now, it is time to close the gate. And as always, say goodbye. This is Scry. Scry.